What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the, another episode of the Women's World Football Show. Absolutely jam-packed today with the usual stuff. Um, how are you doing, Patty? I've not seen you for a, a good few weeks. How, how's things? I know, we missed you. We missed you on the last show. You were off well, gallivanting think, around Germany. I, I think the cowgirl did a marvellous job, Sarah Hallett, so I'll just thank her for stepping into my shoes. Big shoes to fill, although they are, but she, I thought she did an admirable job. Um, came across very well, managed to put up with you. So yeah, well, well done, Sarah. Well done. Glad to see that you survived Oktoberfest in Germany. That was down in the south. We were up in the in the north. But uh, oh. we'll talk more about Germany later in the show. I just want to thank Niana again for looking after me. Uh, had a fantastic time over there. Watched some Bundesliga games and just had a really good time. It was a pleasure to be in her company. And um, I'm looking forward to welcome, welcoming her over to England at some point next year. So... Whilst I was away in Germany, though, however, the, the big women's football news was the fact that uh, Chelsea Ladies Football Club won their first ever title. Remember, they went into the last game of the season knowing a victory over Sunderland would guarantee them the championship. And you will all remember, of course, last year Manchester at Manchester City, Chelsea were in the exact same position. They just needed to win the game. Uh, lost the game and Liverpool snuck in to take the title. But no such repeat this time. Chelsea so easily saw off Sunderland 4-0. Even though Manchester City did win their game against Notts County, it didn't matter. Chelsea um, saw off the challenge of Sunderland, thus completing the domestic double, adding the women's um, Super League title to their already gained FA Cup trophy. So, fantastic season for Chelsea. With this in mind, obviously we need to talk a little bit about Chelsea and... Last week, I was lucky enough to chat with Hannah Roberts. Now, Hannah runs the excellent Chelsea Ladies FC fans blog and the Twitter page, and it really is a good site. She puts, I know she puts a lot of work and time into it, and it's the best Chelsea site out there, really, for news and news views and, and updates and everything like that. So I was um, delighted to be able to sit down with Hannah and, and chat all about um, Chelsea's fantastic season. So um, I think we shall play this interview, then then speak a little bit more about Chelsea Football Club. So, um, off we go. We're going to chat now a little bit more about um, Chelsea Ladies Football Club that not only clinched the league championship um, of the last weekend, but also that goes alongside their um, victory in the FA Cup a month or two ago. And I've got somebody with me here who's knows pretty much more about Chelsea than anybody and has seen a lot more of them than I have this year. And that's uh, Hannah Roberts, who runs the excellent Chelsea Ladies Fans website. So, welcome to the show, Hannah. Hi, thanks for having me. No, no, you, thank you for taking time out from celebrating and everything to come on the show. I, I'd imagine it's been a quite a crazy couple of days for you. Yeah, it's been crazy. I'm still on a high from the league on Sunday, but we've got Champions League in two days. Yeah. So we've got to recover quickly. Okay. Do you want to, uh, before we get into it, do you want to tell us a little bit about the excellent website that you run? Yeah, so I started the 
Chelsea fan page at the beginning of this season. It's because last year I found it really hard sometimes to keep up with the team because the, the club's official Twitter doesn't have too much information. It's got a lot better this year, actually. But yeah, I just started that to do some more in-depth match reports and live tweets and things like that. Yeah, I know you've done quite a lot of games with them this year as well, haven't you? Yeah, I think I've been to I've been to pretty much every game, especially after the World Cup. It was a bit harder before, but yeah, after the World Cup, I've been to most of the games. Talk us through that last uh, that last day of the season, just to remind people, Chelsea. It was in their hands. All they ha- I say, all they had to do, they had to beat Sunderland on the last game of the season. But as we all remember, it was the same situation last year, and it it went wrong. But this year, there was no. Such worries? Were you nervous at any point? Uh, it was funny, actually, because the whole week leading up to the game, I was really relaxed about it. But then on the day, I got started getting really nervous. But I think I think the team has been, I think all season, they've been much more in control of everything. And I didn't really have any doubts that they were, weren't going to win. No, as soon as that first goal goes in, I assume that the nerves and everything just, just went, did they? Yeah. I did, say, I did say if we get an early goal, that would definitely be that the game won. Yeah. So as soon as he got that goal, it was massive relief. <laughs> yeah. So looking back on the season then, um, who do you think are the leaders on this team? Who really stood out and, and have carried this team forward? Um, I think there's definitely been two players, I would say. I'd say Gemma Davison and Julie Flassie have been probably our two best players. But in respect to you know being a leader on the team, Julie is definitely... I mean, she's always been a great player and a great defender, but even though she's not captain, she always expects the best from her teammates every game. And, she's, you know, she's got goals and she's got a lot of great tackles in and she's definitely improved, I think, as a player. It's, as you say, it's been really vital that mentally they've all stuck together as well. And I think in the past, Chelsea have been accused of falling to pieces, but it looks like they've got a really good team spirit down there at the moment. Yeah, I think it's really great, especially, like you said, the team spirit has been really great this year. You know, after every game, the players are always tweeting about, you know, how much they like being part of the club and how much they love the team. And I think that's definitely something that maybe we lacked last year. But this year, the players really want to play for each other and the managers, the master and staff as well. It's just one big family and they all want to do well for each other. Yeah, just just going on to Emma Hayes... um... I think she's really become a this this co- this season's been defining for her, hasn't it? I remember sat in the press conference after the FA Cup final, and you could just sense the relief then that Chelsea had got that trophy, and it looks like you've just carried momentum momentum from winning the FA Cup into the league. How big was winning the FA Cup both for Emma and for the club? Do you think? I think it was massive because. You know, before then, I mean, the players did a lot of interviews afterwards saying how before then there were only a couple of players who had won trophies before, but now every every player in the team had won a trophy with the FA Cup and so all of them knew what it felt like to win and all of them wanted it again. And I think it was mostly just a relief, you know, because everyone was talking, are Chelsea going to bottle it again? Can Chelsea play in the big games? And I think we proved everyone wrong. And, you know, once the players had that... I didn't really doubt that we were going to win the league. I mean, the strong point, you had the best defence in the league, only conceding 10 goals in 14 games. So I think that's been a bedrock, hasn't it, of this Chelsea side? Yeah, I think last season that was probably what we lacked the most. I mean, we scored quite a few goals, but the defence wasn't too good. But this year, you know, with the new players like uh, Lindahl and Fahi especially, it's been a lot more solid. And the goalkeeper as well has been a huge part of this team, hasn't she? Yeah, I think... 
she said in an interview as well, you know, she hasn't had much to do, and that is true to a point. But I think just the smaller things, like she never really, you know, kicks the ball out of play. She never fumbles or anything. She's just really reliable, and you need someone like that in yeah. the back line if you're going to win games. How do you pronounce her name? Helvig Linnehart, isn't it her name? Hedvig Lindahl. Hedvig, yeah. My, my Swedish is pretty poor, but um, I do know that she's been a massive part of this football club and it's, it's big to have her signed on for the next couple of years, isn't it? Yeah, it's really great that she's been here. She's definitely been a big part of the defence. Uh, speaking of signings, I, I, it's always said in football that uh, you sign players once, you, once you're strong and I think bringing in Frank Kirby just after the World Cup really did signal Chelsea's intention, didn't it, that they were going to go on and and push forward. Yeah, that was definitely, uh, you know, the missing piece to finish it all off because we've been playing, you know, the first part of the season without a true striker. And I mean, Enya Luko played there, but I think she's better on the wing personally. And G had played there, but she prefers the number 10. So to get someone who's, you know, a true goal scoring forward, that just rounded it all off. Yeah. So about G's son, she's probably one of the most technically gifted players we have in the FAWSL, doesn't she? Um, just thinking of that 4-0 win at Liverpool where she just brought the ball down and just killed it. It's it's fantastic to see someone that talented playing in England, isn't it? Yeah, that was a brilliant goal. We all, we all turned away like, oh no, the cross is going fast, chance wasted, but she made something out of nothing and she's great at doing that. Yeah. So looking back over the season then, what um, what was your favourite game? Oh gosh, it's been so many. Um, probably the the game at Liverpool, actually, just because you know BT moved the game to the Sunday evening, which was a horrific time to get back. But we managed to get a small minibus of the fans going up, and um, you know to win so emphatically at a place that we'd normally struggle at. And because the players were really grateful for our support as well, mm. so it's just a great game all yeah. round. I think. Speaking of teams you've often struggled against. I, I always thought, thought that Chelsea's big psychological block was getting getting past Arsenal and being able to beat Arsenal because traditionally Arsenal have always had the upper hand over Chelsea. But that that's, that seems to have changed around now, doesn't it? I know Chelsea did pretty well against Arsenal in every time you played them this year. Yeah, I think Arsenal have always been a big rival because you know they're the sort of traditional big side. But I think we've got to a point where maybe Chelsea are actually the favourites over Arsenal now, which is a really great position to be in. Obviously, we have quite a few of their old players like Katie Chapman, Julie Flaherty, Neil Flaherty, quite a few of our players have played there. I think, you know, times are changing and we're perhaps better than Arsenal now. One thing I like about Chelsea is, and it's not something that, that I think they get enough coverage, but there's a lot of players that have been there a long time, isn't there? You know, it's, um, I, I think it's sometimes missed it's unfair to them. A lot of people say, oh, Chelsea just bring all these players in. But there's a lot of players that have been there for a long time, hasn't there? Like, you know, Jodie Brett's been at Chelsea since she was eight and Claire Rafferty's been there a long time and, and players like that. So it must be good that players are developing at Chelsea. Yeah, I think especially Claire Rafferty and Emmy Luke are the best examples of players who have been there a long time. But then there's also some really good development team players like we saw in the Continental Cup. So we had, I think I worked out, you know, the average age of the team was 21 and we beat London Bees 8-0 with that team. So we have some really great players that are coming through, definitely. Yeah, I know you, you do keep an eye on the development squad. Is, um, are you excited about the next generation coming through? Yeah, I am. I, the development team won the Southern Division last season and I didn't manage to get to any games, but hopefully I will this season. And I've seen a couple of them, you know, play with the first team and I definitely think they'll be around the first team for a while.
looking forward, you've got Europe. Um, for people that don't know, it's uh, the young, you play Glasgow City over two matches. Uh, are you excited about playing Glasgow, or would you prefer a more exotic opponent? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed. You know? I was wondering where I was going to take a short holiday, but in Scotland not the best place but I think you know for the team it's a great draw I know a team I think we can beat so maybe in the next round we'll go somewhere a bit more interesting Right um, just, just last one then um, is there one moment of the season then that, that that stands out you know an incident in a certain game or you know, what was your what would be your favourite moment of the season I think the FA Cup semi-final because I mean people said that the FA Cup final was you know our first big test but I think the FA Cup semi-final playing against Man City, you know, one of the another big team, and you know to win in the last minute like we did, and to you know be you know we were being part of the first ever Wembley final, that was a really great moment. Yeah, and just looking at the FA WSL overall, you know, the, the entire league, what stood out to you, you know, apart from Chelsea, is there anything that else you've been really excited and, and impressed with? I just think you know the attendances, and not just the attendances, but, you know how much people are paying attention now it's not just people turning up to games but you know they know who the players are they want to meet them they follow the teams instead of just turning up to games I think that's been really great and I've you know met quite a lot of new fans this year and fans of all different teams and you know everyone's just really nice and everyone wants wants the whole league to be successful not just their own team do you want to give uh, the website a little mention again and, and tell people where they can find you on twitter etc Yes, yeah, so um, on Twitter it's CLSC Fans, and then I believe the blog is CLSCFans.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly recommend you check it out because there's some marvellous content up on there, and we will get a link to it um, in the show's notes and also on the show's website. So um, thanks a lot, Hannah. Thank you very much for having me. So um, thank you to Hannah for taking the time out to, to chat with me on the show. It's um, I always like talking to people like Hannah who put a lot of time and effort into these websites because they're an invaluable source of information. And I remember I used years ago used to do a link of one, and it just it does take up a lot of time traveling around everywhere, writing them up. So it's it's great that people do that. And um, if you want to visit Hannah's site, uh, the website link the link to her website, I should say, shall be up on the website once our technical department is is a little bus- little less busy, won't it, Patty? It'll be there. Great stuff from Hannah. And what do you, on a personal level, what do you think was the one reason why Chelsea was able to to come out and win the league? I think there's always multiple reasons. I think the main one is they kept most of the squad that came back close last year together. You know, they didn't really get rid of many many players at all. And I, I do think that helps because it does give everybody a kind of um, a kind of motivation because you've gone through the, the low of the low of losing it one year to come back and winning. I also think it was a season of momentum. I mean, they started well and they carried it on. But remember, they won the FA Cup halfway through the year and that was the first trophy that they won. And I think that was a huge monkey to get off of their back. And you'll also recall that just before the FA Cup final, after the England side came back from the World Cup, they signed Frank Kirby. And I think that also gave them that little bit of a boost because the best teams always add players when they're strong. Okay, when you're dropping off and people add players, it can sometimes be panic panic signing. But what they did is they were strong and then they added to it. So I do think that that helped them. I, I know they've got a great team behind the scenes at Chelsea doing the um, analysing and everything and planning and stuff. So a, a huge um, a huge a pat on the back has to go to that side of it. 
And, and I just think the players all matured as well. I mean, there's a lot of players that have been there like quite a while and this squad's been growing. It's not a, like they've bought, got out, rushed out and bought loads and loads of players. It's Some people make that mistake that Chelsea just buy all these players and, and they haven't. They've kind of like added to it slowly and they have players that have been there a while and they've developed. I mean, you've got people like Jodie Brett who's been at the club since, since she was eight years old. There's players like Claire Rafferty who's been there a while, Enia Loku, people like that. And it's just, it's like Emma, um, Emma Hayes has done a good job of gradually building it. You know, you have to build your foundations and slowly improve. And over the last three three seasons, so Chelsea have definitely improved. I mean, I think it was 2012 they finished um, second bottom, I think, of the league. So it just goes to show that if you stick with a manager, give them time to build, good things will happen. And Chelsea... Um, only lost two matches all season, gained 32 points from 14 games and are the best goal difference in the league of plus 20. So, worthy winners of the, of the title. Could you pinpoint one moment or a key moment in the season that kind of turned it around for Chelsea? I think probably the FA Cup final gave them the boot because before that, they, they just lost 4-0 at Sunderland. And I think um, winning the Cup final really just gave them that boost to kick on because the first game after the break was the one where they lost and lost quite heavily but I think that one and also Chelsea's big inferiority complex that I've been chatting to Hannah was they always struggled with Arsenal because Arsenal was like the big club in London the dominant force and Chelsea's had the upper hand against Arsenal this year and I, I do think that doing that I think the away game at Arsenal was was cru- crucial for Chelsea and then um, another one was when they went up to Liverpool and I think it was 4-0 they absolutely, I can't remember the exact score but they went to Liverpool and put on a real show I think it was two games from the end of the season. Got a really easy win at a tough place to go, and I think that was that was big for them as well. But I think definitely signing Frank Kirby, giving them that boost when they're already there, just making it a little bit stronger. I think that was that was key to them as well. Yeah, and probably that little bit of fear of like we can't let this go again. I think so. Yeah, because once you, it's it's a huge credit to them because how many teams in in a multitude of sports get that close to the title and then drop off. More often than not, they do. If you come that close and don't quite get over the line, you tend to fall away, don't you? But um, but not this time. I mean, to to be able to like have a strong squad, team spirit, and to push yourself over the line is a huge boost for them. So that's okay. yeah, they, they thoroughly deserve the championship. Good stuff. Just quickly to round up, Manchester okay. City finished second, so they will take the Champions League spot the second Champions League spot for next season. It seems crazy saying that because the Champions League has just started for this year, but next this time next year, Manchester City will have played or already played in the Champions League. But Bristol Academy, they finished bottom, so they will be relegated. And the two sides coming up, um, we've still got one round of games to go in the FAWSL 2, as this is recorded. At the, top, at the moment, Reading are top of the league. So it'll all come down to the last game. But uh, Reading and Doncaster are definitely promoted. And there was some huge news out of the second of those clubs. Uh, Doncaster Bells announced a huge investment project, which is going to um, include building a new training facility just solely for, for the club, for the women's players and for grassroots areas and women's football in Doncaster. Um, they've announced there's going to sign up to 10 contracts, full-time players, which is a first for the Bells. What you've got to remember with Doncaster is this is historically one of the biggest clubs in England. Certainly to the 80s and 90s, it was like Doncaster and Arsenal were the two big clubs in England. So it's great to see a huge club like this investing, um, but being a real 
this is like real game-changing investment because there's not been a club which has built this kind of facility specifically for women. Uh, I mean, you've seen the the plans and the pitches and things. I mean, you mm-hmm. you were quite impressed, weren't you? Oh yeah, this is so great to see them putting the money into the women's game and then developing the players too, which is going to pay off for them in the future. Absolutely. I mean, I know that not many people worldwide may have heard of them, but certainly in England there are a big name. And I was uh, lucky to sit down with um, the chairwoman of Doncaster Bells, Faye Ligo, and talk a little bit more in depth about these um, interesting and exciting plans that they have have for the football club. So um, I think we'll play that interview now, shall we? Great. Right then, some of the big news in the FAWSL this week has involved um, Doncaster Bells. Now, Doncaster Bells were promoted about a week or so ago to FAWSL 1, but they had a very exciting announcement to do with the long-term version of the club. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that Faye Ligo, the Doncaster Bells chairwoman, uh, joins us on the phone now. So, good afternoon, Faye. Afternoon. Thank you for taking time out to join us on the show today. That's fine, no problem. Um, I assume it's been a really exciting few days for you. This, this announcement really seems to have uh, captured people's imagination. Yes, I mean, it's made a bigger impact than we thought. Um, so it's been really busy, exciting, lots of comments and um, people asking for more information. So it's been really good, yes. Yeah. I suppose we should start really by congratulating you on a great season for the Bells. They've um, been in the top two pretty much all season. How have you enjoyed it? I've really enjoyed it. I, mean, I really enjoy women's football generally. I enjoyed the World Cup and I enjoyed watching our players play. Um, they've worked really hard this year. I felt really bad for them last year when they were, you know, a spectacular last game, but they, they just were pipped to promotion last season. So this, this season they've worked in a really professional and focused way and they deserve every bit of success they get. I'm so proud of them. Yeah, and of course people sometimes don't realise this is Glenn Harris's first season as, as head coach at Doncaster, so he's, he's done a great job, hasn't he, with the team? He has. He's, he's, a, he's a lovely guy and a great coach. Players board with him um, previously, so there's a great deal of respect for him. Um, he's sort of totally engrossed into football, his daughters play, um, so yeah, it, it's been a, a good appointment for us. So we're moving on to this uh, Project Phoenix now. Um, how long, I imagine something like this has had to be taken a while to plan. You can't just dream this up in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> when did you decide that you were going to embark on such a fantastic project like this? Well, the seeds of the project were always there in our minds right from the beginning because it was obvious to us that a lack of infrastructure was holding the bells back a little bit in terms of footballing and sort of business, sort of financial side of things. So... Having watched the development of the WSL1 and London's own journey into WSL1 last year, it really pushed us into making a decision that uh, we thought we needed to do, we actually definitely do need to do. Uh, so it was then just working out what, what we had to do and what we needed um, to do that. But for people that, that don't know, obviously it's all on the website, but you're, you're going to be developing like a special training facility and gymnasiums and, and things where the players can train full-time, is, is that correct? Yes, that's right. So what we're trying to create is a bay that incorporates um, playing, training and um, fitness and other ancillary things that go with all that. So trying to put it all into one slightly nomadic lifestyle. So I think we need to settle down and um, develop in one place. Yeah, that, that's, that's, it's going to be the first of its kind as well, isn't it, what, what you guys are doing, which is pretty, pretty spectacular. 
dedicated to women, I think it is. I mean, there are some great facilities um, in the Women's League um, with other football teams, but some of those are backed by the men's club, which is great. Uh, we are doing it a different way, so it's important for us to have our own facilities and our own infrastructure just so that we can compete with these other clubs, um, mm. which we will find. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you've got some big challenges next year, but I was really impressed that you're now going full-time, aren't you? You're offering so many like full-time contracts for players. I mean, that must be a huge step for the players from training like part-time after work to be able to have the opportunity yes. to go full-time. Yes, I mean, to, to be involved as a full-time club, you have to have 10 contracted, full-time contracted players. Uh, we're obviously going to go for that blended approach. We're hoping to get 10, um, and we're going to go into player negotiations shortly, so the actual numbers will become clearer as we go through. Um, but, yeah, I think going full-time is, is the way forward. That's where the, most of the WSL1 are, and we're having this blended approach. So we will have part-time players, we will have full-time players, but then having the facility enables a, a much more flexible approach. So you might be working, but you might be able to make certain daytime, um, or you might want to sort of come down to the facility and do some extra things in your own way. And this enables us, I, I keep calling it almost three-quarters players, so that you've got this kind of... Um, mixture where, where parts of part-time players can almost be um, a little bit more like full-time players depending on how they structure their week. Yeah, and that's good because some players still have very demanding full-time jobs, such as your goalkeeper and people like that. So it is great that people like that have got the opportunity to, to do that. Yes, and we're a team, and they've got us where we are now, and um, we value them um, as people, as players. Um, they've got something to give and we, we need them. Um, it's not a case of we, we want to just move on to full-time and forget everybody. We don't think that's the right approach to take. We do think we need to have a blended approach um, and incorporate those players who, who are working. I know that um, you're both local, that the you're both like local to the area and everything, so it's going to be great that local kids and stuff have now got something to aspire to, haven't they? I think it's fantastic for, for Doncaster and, and the surrounding area. Well, we hope so because we want to um, grow grassroots and, and give back to the community. We want to help them and then help us. We, we hope the, the community will, will engage with us and uh, want to help us, and we want to certainly help their children. So, yeah. um, well, that's, I mean, I'm only down the road. Ro I'm like down the road for you. I'm only in Retford, so um, I know there's a lot of women's clubs around the area. So I think it's going to have a huge, huge impact on people. We hope so. We yeah. Hope so. When, um, when do you expect to, to start um, to start actually bricks going in the ground on this project then? Um, well, at the moment there are buildings there, so what we need to do, um, and we're, we're, we're dealing with people right now, sort of talking to people and getting um, quotes and times and people in. Um, we want to get the house fit for occupation, um, and then we want to get the pitches sorted out. It will be initially grass. And then we will introduce in the 4G as and when we have um, planning and um, finances in place. But um, certainly the first phase, I should say, um, we're hoping to have done by early early January, uh, early 2016. <laughs> oh, good. That, that's when the FAWSL starts training again, doesn't it? Like um, and everything, so it'll be, it, be ready for it that. It does. Yeah. So I know the development league starts soon, doesn't it? So it must be a really busy time for you. Setting that up and then also getting getting ready for the first division. I assume it's a huge step from FAWSL two to FAWSL one. Yeah, I mean WSL two are a competitive league and and they've been great and I've really enjoyed our time there. But you can tell the difference between fitness levels and sort of comfortableness on the ball and all that kind of thing. So we do need to do more. 
and it is yes it's a very busy time for us but we always knew it would be so um, we've just got to to raise our game off the field and get ourselves sorted out really mm, good good earlier you mentioned the the world cup and it seems to have had a huge impact on players uh, on clubs all over the country have you seen that in doncaster and more people interested in watching the games and everything because of the exploits of, of the lionesses in canada definitely when we um came back from the world cup we have had uh, an increase in our crowd particularly against wsl1 opposition so when we had man city with Horton, came and ong and, and, and the other others um there was a, a huge crowd um and generally our crowds have have increased from there and when we talk to people and you know we go out leafleting and bits and pieces there's a great deal of knowledge and, and affection out there for women's football and for the bells so i think that has made an impact and it's just a question of building upon that keeping the women's game in reasonably high profile as well as far as we can, can do that so i hope we're doing our little bit to to contribute to that you, you certainly are. It helps you've got somebody like Sue Smith, who's one of the most charismatic people in the game, isn't she? She's a real... Absolutely lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and there'll never be another one, will there? I, think, I genuinely think Sue Smith's a one-off. Oh, I don't know. There's lots of lovely girls. I wouldn't possibly uh, say that. But, I mean, she is great, and she's certainly a great person to have um, and a great person to have around as well. So do you have um, any goals in mind for the club for like the next year and, and maybe going forward three, four, five years, say? Have you like, mapped out where you want to t- take the bells? Um, well, we do have our sort of overarching 10-year plan, which we sort of set out a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, next season, should we get promoted, FA approval, uh, please, um, <laughs> we want to stay in WSO1. So we've done a lot of work to get ourselves and our fitness levels up and all that. Um, I think um, that's our main aim to stay in and then consolidate ourselves and I think as each year goes by things on and off the pitch will get stronger and, and more stable and I think um, there's no reason to think we can't, wouldn't be able to compete with uh, the best. Well, no, great stuff, it's good to have those goals because I know that off, you've done a lot of work on the business side of the club and it's, it really is paying dividends isn't it? I think so, um, it, it, it needed sort of structuring and, and sorting out and that's taken us a little bit of time, but um, we're solid now, and we, we're really excited to move forward, um, and we'll do that in a very sensible and planned way. You know, we've got great plans, and it will come, but um, it's just a question of uh, how quickly and in what way, but um, this facility will hopefully bring it all together. Mm, great stuff. Well, um, I won't keep you any longer, Faye, but um, thanks a lot for coming on the show and, and sharing these exciting plans, and we certainly look forward to um, following their progress with, with great interest. Thanks a lot. So impressive to hear from Faye. I know because I know she's she's a very busy lady over there, and for her to take the time out to talk to us, really appreciate it. Really honored that she came on. It is because they announced this, and it was been like a flurry of media activity with it. I know they've chatted on some of the local radio stations around here about it, but um, I liked it when she said that even players that are playing part time are still in Doncaster's plans. Because remember, we had uh, Nick Hobbs on at the start of the season, who's a, a firefighter by day and stuff. And mm. it's great that people like that are still going to be incorporated into this uh, new structure and a new plan that they have there. So it's um, it's a great to see the club turn around because I remember the last time they were in FAWSL1, I went to a couple of their games, covered them towards the back end of the season when I think they lost 9-0 at home to Liverpool and seven or eight to Arsenal, I can't remember the exact scorelines, but it it did feel like a club almost on its deathbed. 
but it's come back and it's completely re energized There's a fantastic supporters club base there now. It's it's a good example of how that even when a club goes through dark times, there is a way to rebuild it, and you know you can come back a lot stronger. And this this Doncaster side that's coming up, yes, they might need a couple of additions here, but with Glenn Harris at the helm coaching them, some really good young players, the investment and everything that's coming with it is going to be very attractive to signing these new players. And I think it's exciting times, and we've just seen this year how Sunderland. You know, took the FAWSL one by storm. They came straight up, um, dropped off a little bit towards the back end of the season, but they were still competitive for the majority of it. And something like that gives Doncaster and Reading a model to work with. And it's going to be fascinating to see them next year. Just while we're on about this, um, an interesting fact for you. Frank Kirby will probably, I'm pretty sure, actually get two medals. She'll get one because she spent quite a while at time at Reading. So she'll have played enough games to qualify for a medal for their promotion. And she'll get a championship medal from Chelsea. So it's quite possible she could actually end up with two medals this wow. year, which is quite crazy, isn't it? Yeah, well, the th actually three if you think of the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Great, great to hear from Faye. Uh, and we'll be looking for Doncaster next season, sure. Absolutely. Again, thank you for Faye and also for um, Hayley, who helped set me that, that interview up. But... Um, other FAWSL one news, well, FAWSL news, we know the finalists for the Continental Tyres Cup. Uh, the reason I say Continental Tyres is people outside of the UK don't realise Continental is sponsoring it. It's not like a fancy international competition. It's just a, a sponsor. In the semi-final stage, Notts County defeated Liverpool and um, Arsenal defeated Manchester City. So we will have a final between... Arsenal and Notts County, and that will be played at Rotherham United's New York Stadium on the 1st of November. I, I will be there, so um, that brings the curtain down on the FAWSL one season. Oh, great. You'll be there, as, so, you'll be there doing interviews? and abs Absolutely, I'll be there awesome. uh, doing my usual stuff. So, yeah, looking forward okay. to that. And it's, I'm looking forward to that day because it's only maybe an hour or so from where I live that I'm going to shoot back and do the show with you. So I'm really looking forward to that day. Nice. What do you think of the season overall? Just overall, FAWSL, are you happy with it? I, I am. It's, it's been great, hasn't it? I think um, the league table's fairly close. It, it would have been nicer. I mean, for the majority of the season, Bristol and Birmingham were quite close in the relegations scrap, so it wasn't all over like it has been in the past couple of years. If you look at it, um, we've had Arsenal, Manchester City and Chelsea, the top three, only separated by five points. So that was good. I think Sunderland were the big um, one of the big talking points, and Beth Mead's been called up to the latest England squad, which is great because she's really been a, a one of the best players in the league. And for Sunderland to get, I mean, they, they were safe relatively early in the season. I know that they dropped off a little bit, but still to finish in fourth place, I think's a great great achievement for them. And then I suppose the disappointing Liverpool, obviously, from winning the league last year to being uh, second bottom. I mean, it did all fall to pieces for them the past last couple of months, but a lot of that's down to injuries on, on that front. So um, so that's that's the story with them. And, and Birmingham as well. I mean, remember, they finished third last year and they've been struggling against relegation. So it's certainly been unpredictable. I, I don't think anybody at the start of the season would have had Liverpool second bottom and Birmingham struggling all season and, and the phenomenal success we've seen with Sunderland. So I think overall it's been a good season. I think... England doing well at the World Cup certainly helped the back end, the second half of the season as well. And it's um, all exciting. Just finishing on the English teams, um, 
there was two teams in the Champions League this week. Liverpool, they lost the first leg to Brescia from Italy, and then Brescia won. They lost 1-0 in Brescia. They then lost 1-0 again in Liverpool. So they're out 2-0 on aggregate to sad end to the Matt Beard reign at the club. But Chelsea ladies, better news from them. They um, saw off Glasgow City. So they will they take place. They've gone forward into the second round of the Champions League, which will... It's being drawn on Monday, so you'll probably have heard the draw before you hear this show or be on the Twitter and stuff on Monday and everything like that. So, um, as the FAWSL League wraps up, um, obviously we never stop here at the Women's World Football Show. There's always a league somewhere that we can talk about and it's great that as the FAWSL's finished and the NWSL finished a while ago, the W League is just starting, isn't it? Yay, the eighth season of Australia's W League kicks off this weekend as we're recording. And what better excuse to talk to our Australian expert, Cheryl Downs. This is part two of our W League preview with Cheryl. Last time we previewed, if you recall, Adelaide United, uh, Brisbane, Canberra, and Melbourne City FC. So Cheryl came back to preview the remaining teams. And if you're an NWSL fan, you'll want to take a listen because some of your favorite players are heading to the land down under. I mean, a lot of those players. Also, Cheryl gave us a, a Matilda's update. So let's listen to our friend from the women's game, Cheryl Downs. Back with us to continue our talk on the Westfield W League is our good friend and Aussie expert, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Please welcome Cheryl Downs. Good day, mate. Hey, guys. How is everyone? <laughs> you are in Melbourne, right? I am in okay, Melbourne. Good. Yep, yep. Okay. Melbourne is the place to be. That's, that's what I hear. Well, thanks for taking the time out again, Cheryl, as usual, to preview some of these great W League teams. We're actually recording on the eve of opening day, so that's really exciting. I'm, I'm beyond excited. I think I'm a bit tired already, which is probably not a good way to start the season, but we've spent a lot of time and effort trying to prepare some um, team guides and things like that, trying to um, get our heads around what's going to happen. And... And well, this is the time that you live for, right, Cheryl? So you get a second wind. Oh, absolutely. First off, before we get talking about the W Leagues, I know we're really excited to, to dive into some of these remaining teams. Um, last time we talked, the Matildas were striking. Now I see that they're playing in this uh, China tournament. Can you give us an update, if you can, on what's happening with your national team? Yeah, so what's happened at the moment is the PFA have come to an interim agreement, I think, with FFA, so Football Federation Australia, to essentially enable the Matildas to head over for this China tour. So whilst a full agreement hasn't yet been officially signed and, and pledged and all of the above, there's enough there for the players to, in good faith, go over on this China tour. And it's actually really important for the Matildas with the Olympic qualifiers coming up early next year or sort of Feb, March next year. So they really need to get some quality games under their belt. So they fly out... I think they fly out on Monday after round one of the W League, which is a really interesting time as well. And one would hope that given we have such a short W League season that any Matilda's sort of representative matches wouldn't have to clash, but they do clash in this instance. So round two is going to be without the benefit of all the Matildas that are selected for that squad. So um, the China tour is from the 19th to the 28th of October and the deal is that they should be playing against China, England, who are ranked fifth in the world, so that's a big deal. 
So it is exciting. I haven't seen any of the training camps, but there were a couple of surprises, as always, with the squad announcement, particularly in a couple of notable omissions, and one in particular is Ellie Brush. So people who are fans of Houston Dash would know hopefully a little bit about Ellie Brush. Yeah. Um, who plays for Canberra United as well. And then another notable omission is probably Ash Sykes, who's a really fast sort of strikerish kind of person. Um, so, yeah, big omissions. But actually that ends up being a boost for Canberra United that they won't um, be missing out on a couple of their key players for the W League matches. It is really good news for Amy Harrison, who's a, a midfielder who plays for Sydney FC and she's a strong young player. Caitlin Cooper from the Western Sydney Wanderers is a, another new call-in. And Georgia Yeomandale, I'm not sure how, how much people know about her. She's spent some time playing for Canberra United this season. She's going to play for Newcastle. She's been called up. I really like her style of play. She seems to be able to do a lot of things and I think she's improved her game lately. Um, and another player that people in particularly the US may have heard of Tara Andrews, who wasn't playing in the NWSL, but she was playing in the league below that. And I think she took out the Golden Boot equivalent award. So she couldn't stop scoring goals, I think was the deal. So if anyone's familiar with her as well, it's, it's great news for her too. Did we get any like specific information on the contract with the Matildas? Did they, are they getting the money that they wanted? I know that was like a big... Um, I don't think anything official has come out just yet, but my understanding is that they have come pretty close to the mark. Okay. Well, thanks for that. So let's go talk. Let's start talking about the W League. Um, Last time you were on, we previewed Adelaide United, Brisbane Roar, last year's champs, Canberra United, and the new team, Melbourne City FC. And if you missed that, I encourage you to go back to our website and take a listen because uh, Cheryl breaks down those teams. I think it was the... I believe it was the episode with Leanne Sanderson. So go back and check that out. So let's take a look at the remaining teams and let's start with Mel let's start with the other Melbourne team, the original Melbourne Victory. Yeah, so- Melbourne Victory. Hey, before we go there, let's yeah. just make a couple of comments on okay. um, maybe some of the announcements for the teams that we've already talked about. Melbourne okay. City. Melbourne City signed a couple of players that some people may have heard of and I don't think we've talked about this yet, but they signed Kim Little and Jess Fishlock. So for them, I I think that's huge news and they're going to come and start playing from round three is my understanding. So for me, that's super exciting and it was actually really interesting the way that it sounded like that came about, particularly for Jess Fishlock. It was the um, humour or the good humour of Lisa Devanna who basically dropped an email to Jess Fishlock and said, I'm playing for Melbourne City, you are too. So I thought that was super cute that, you know, Lisa Devanna has some good respect around the football world and, and I know that she has in the past had some other opportunities for development as well. But I think that's that's great news for Melbourne City and hopefully for the W League as well to be able to see those players coming. And Brisbane Raw, who I think we've talked about already as well, have signed Hayley Kopmeyer. Um, so again, that's big news for them given that previously they had um, some big glove-taking people as well in the Dean Angra. So, yeah, a couple of late announcements. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, yeah, those, those Little and Fishlock, huge signings. Uh, just, be, you know, for, for nothing else, they've got a worldwide following. They've played for yep. different teams. Of course, they're currently on Seattle Reign FC, which has a huge fan base. And we were just talking about this off-air, how, how bringing a lot of these North American players over to 
the the Westfield W League just really makes the, the the world of women's soccer smaller, doesn't it? I mean, it really, it's exciting for the fans. I think it's great for the W League because, hey, we want to know what's going on with Fishlock. We want to know what's going on with uh, Christine Nairn and all these other players that are that are excited to go and play over in Australia. Yeah, it's super exciting. And I think when we talk about players like Kim Little and Jess Fishlock, I mean, I've come back from after watching the World Cup and you think that you see the best players there, but there are some players who haven't had that opportunity to go out to the World Cup. The fact that we can see Kim Little come here to play in Australia live and in the flesh, I mean, I think that's a super experience for all the fans and hopefully it drives the engagement and the the fans, maybe sponsorship, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, to get those great players to come over and hopefully enjoy the experience. And that word of mouth that the more people come over and play and hopefully enjoy and go back and tell other people, hey, we played there, that was great, you should go over. It's fantastic. Okay, then let's go through the teams that we didn't talk about. Let's start with uh, Melbourne Victory. And I I just uh, mentioned Christine Nairn. So how important was it for the Victory to get uh, Nairn back into that squad? I I think it's huge. I think Melbourne Victory, I don't know how much people know about what's been going on with them, but basically they were slow off their feet for the preseason. They lost their coach from last season in um, Joe Montemiro to Melbourne City. They lost five of their key players. Four of them went off to Melbourne City and Emma Checker went off to Canberra United. So they've lost stacks of players and the fact that they're able to bring someone back of the quality of Christine Nairn with the leadership and the the skills and the intellect of someone like her, I think that's huge. The strength in the midfield, I think, for me, is going to be one of the critical areas. Obviously, they need more than that, but that's, that's going to be a key. They've rebuilt... And the way that I'm going to try and spin this a little bit is that they're bringing in some youth experience with the potential to develop for the future. So if this is a long-term plan, I think it's good. If it's just a quick way of filling some gaps in the squad without a, a real view of making that for the future, then I think they'll struggle. But they have brought back some experience in Thea Slater. They've got um, Melissa Barbieri. Um, known as Bubs, happily known as Bubs, who was a Victorian but went off to play with Adelaide United. And her leadership for the season that she played there was just huge. I, I think they wouldn't have been as successful as a strong word. They wouldn't have had the outcomes that they did without her leadership. Hayley Razo is there as well. So Hayley hasn't played for Melbourne Victory before, at least to the best of my knowledge, but she's played with Christine Nairn at Washington Spirit. Right. So I think that'll be a good pairing. And Hayley Razo is super quick on the ball. Um, she'll be paired up probably up forward with Laura Sperenovic, who's played for victory before. Wasn't there last season, but she's back again this season. She's quite deceptively fast, um, and she's also got some good skills and, and a real sort of out-and-out striker, I think, Laura has been in the past, but she's also very good at working the ball through and, and getting a number of assists. And then we have a couple of American imports in Jamie Pollock and Bria Palmer. So... I'm not too sure about both of those players. They did play in the Premier League here this season, so they have been around in the Victorian weather. They've acclimatised a little bit, but it'll get hotter. So, yeah, there's a fair element of international experience with American imports, but also with Matildas. Let's move on to the Newcastle Jets. Last year, this team really uh, surprised everyone, kind of flew under the radar, 
Is this their chance uh, to show that they weren't a fluke? What do you think? The big difference this season for Newcastle is that they don't have Emily Van Egmond. Mm. So she's playing at FFC Frankfurt now. She had a huge World Cup. She was such an influential player. And last season she did a huge job for Newcastle and I don't think they would have been the team that they were. I know a team isn't just one player or one key player, but I honestly think without her, they wouldn't have been close to the position that they were. She created a lot of the plays, the ball movement, the smarts out there on the pitch. I think all of those things. So her not being there, I think, will hurt them. They do have Tara Andrews, who we talked about before. She's been called up to the Matildas squad. She scores goals. Um, she'll be a very, very good player there. Georgia Yeomandale, another person that I mentioned, had been called up for the Matildas. And then they've got a couple of players, again, from Washington Spirit, who are trying to take um, take over Seattle Reign with the number of players that they're sending off to the W League. <laughs> Caprice Dietzko and Megan or Megan Oyster. I'm not sure how you guys pronounce that, but yeah. So they've got a couple of internationals. I'm just not sure that they have the overall depth, um, but I think they're a danger team for sure. Yeah. Well, Megan Oyster um, was one of the top rookies last season in the NWSL and really made a name for herself. So this is great experience for a young player to go and play an international league right off the bat, you know, her first season in the NWSL and, uh, you'll have a lot of fun watching her. She's a good player. Yeah, look, I think it's really exciting to see these younger players come over and learn. You know, we, we play the same the same game of football, but it is a different game of football as well. So to learn from other other countries in different styles of play, I think that's pretty important. So let's move on. Uh, one of the more interesting teams, I think, this season that I've looked at, the Western Sydney Wanderers. Mainly because they have uh, some international signings. Uh, they signed Keelan Winters, of course. Uh, Keelan Winters, big fan of the W League. She's been playing it, I think this is like her third, second, third season? Second season, okay. I think. Yeah. And then also Canadian international Car Moscato, among others. Are these signings, do you think these signings are good for the team on the pitch? Or do you think it's a way just to kind of drum up more international fans? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good question. So one of the things I would say is that Keelan Winters seems to have a genuine love for the football and for the W League, like you said. And I think that's the really important part because if she was just there to be, you know, another player on the pitch, then it's probably more about, you know, just bring one player in, get a couple more international fans watching, and that would be the end of it. But the way I feel, not necessarily the way I know, is that she seems to care about the development of the team. Um, she's back at the Wanderers. They didn't have a super successful season. So I, I think there's a bit of love there, and I think that's important. Um, they do have Kendall Johnson, Johnson coming back from Portland Thorns as well. So they've got a couple of key players. And then they've got um, Michelle Carney, who has definitely played a number of years, and she can score some nice goals. And unfortunately, she scored some goals against Melbourne Victory, but she's a player to watch. And Caitlin Cooper, but... Partly beyond that, I think there's not a lot of depth in, in that team either, um, and they would not necessarily be filling any of the top four positions. I, I wouldn't think there was much of a chance for that. Well, Car Moscato is interesting to me because not too many Canadians go over there to play in Australia. Yeah, true. 
Yeah, I think in the the Premier League in Victoria, we did have a couple of Canadians playing. We have Nat Martin now, who'd been playing for a number of seasons now with South Melbourne, and she just tends to love it. Um, and I think it's Taryn Boudreau. I, I think is she Canadian as well? She was from Edmonton. So mm. there's, you know, there's been some good Canadians around playing football. So I think that's fantastic. In the W League, yeah, it's a little bit different. They've up the international quota to four players per team. So now there's a little bit more opportunity for players to come along as well. And just before we go on, I may say that you're sounding, you're sounding particularly clear. Clear <laughs> as a whistle. I feel like you're right here next to me. It's amazing. Oh, uh, that's good. I know. I'm so, so surprised. I like at the moment. Uh, so let's move on to Sydney FC. Uh, what, what has you excited about this team? Mm, um, good question. Jasmine Spencer last season was such an exciting player and I've read some bits and pieces about Sydney as a team and how they probably didn't deliver even though they made the semis last season they didn't deliver as much as some people expected them to and I think Jasmine Spencer was left a little bit isolated here and there but she was one player who even if she's isolated she was able to just make it happen anyway and she Mm -hmm. scored some super goals so I can't remember if I've actually seen her live, but she looks like this tiny little thing. She but is. she just seems to manage to just get it all done, and I think that's super. Um, yeah, she's she's one of them. I think with Michelle Bajos coming over to um, head up into the goals there, that'll be super exciting and be exciting to see if she scores a W League goal. I'm not sure if we've had any keepers score in our league before. So that'll be exciting. Um, <laughs> hey, that's her fl- that's her uh, claim to fame right now. So she, not everyone's going to be expecting that from her. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're going to want an extra goal here and there. It's a sure. tough competition. So Why if your not? keeper can score as well, that's perfect. <laughs> Alana Kennedy is back at Sydney after spending last season at Perth Glory. So I think that's a really good move for them. Alana Kennedy, for me, was one of the great players that we had at the World Cup as well. So she's... She's super young still. I think she's 19 or 20. She's still quite young. So for her to play with the poise that she does, it just surprises the hell out of me sometimes. I just remember when I was that age, and I don't think I would have been that calm on on the field, you know, amongst all of those players. So Alana Kennedy is one to watch. Amy Harrison in the midfield, I think there's been so much talk about her recently. Um, recently made it into the Matilda squad. She was the captain of the young Matildas, so she's got plenty of excitement around her. And then one final player I would probably say that lots of people possibly haven't heard of or maybe everyone hasn't heard of, Princess Abini. Now, she's she's got some pedigree in her family in that her brother, is, he's an exceptional player as well. So Princess Abini, only 15 She's going to be exciting to watch and just seems to know where those goals are and and lots of big hopes on her. And Kaya Simon's back and healthy, right? Yeah, Kaya Simon is back and healthy. And I think we we missed out on having her most of last season. She did come back towards the end of the season. And, you know, I I think her influence this season will be really interesting to watch in that setup with Jasmine Spencer as well and, and hooking up with Amy Harrison in the midfield too. All right, so let's move on down to the Perth Glory. (laughs) You tell me about Perth Glory. (laughs) No, you tell me. Uh, New manager, no Kate Gill. Uh, Any thoughts on how this team does this season? They're not in my top four, Mm. and I think that's really tricky to say because they've got two of the best players, in my 
opinion in the Matildas lineup in Caitlin Ford, who we like to call the machete, and Sam Kerr. I mean, the, both of those players are just phenomenal in what they can do. Caitlin Ford is so versatile. She can do absolutely anything out there. Sam Kerr has been named the captain. She's developed, I think, quite a lot, particularly in terms of that leadership capability, which is something I hadn't seen as much from her before. But she's really looking to be a contender for um, future leadership roles within the Matildas as well. But in saying that, I don't really like the depth of the squad that they have there. We're still waiting for the full squad announcement for Perth, and I think that's um, probably the last team that we've been waiting on. Um, and in terms of internationals, I think they have Nikki Stanton from Sky Blue, but mm-hmm. I, I don't see a huge, a, lot, a huge amount more there. Um, they've lost Colette McCallum as well as Kate Gill. Colette McCallum will be on the sidelines as the assistant coach. I think that would mm-hmm. be fantastic. I prefer to see her on the pitch, though. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, I, I, I don't know that they're going to make it. But the thing with the W League is it's pretty hard. It's pretty fast. Um, their first match against Melbourne Victory with Victory having such a tough preseason. If you can get three points from any match, it means that if you can, you know, start banking them early and get through to the semis and anything can happen. It just seems like everything's riding on Kerr and Ford at this point. Do they possess that leadership, you think? From Sam Kerr's perspective, a couple of seasons ago, I would have said no. But more recently, I just think she's developed so much. And maybe that's the time that she spent playing in the NWSL in the US as well and Mm -hmm. being surrounded by um, some pretty amazing players over there. I think she was paired up with Carly Lloyd quite a bit. And you've got to learn some great things to be surrounded by players like Carly Lloyd. Um, Caitlin Ford, I just can't say enough about her. I think she is just such an amazing player and impact player someone you could I could watch all day um she just sort of lopes along with the ball a little bit but then she's cut you down and that's why we call her the machete because mm. she just cuts through cuts down and then goes off and does whatever she wants she's really exceptional to watch so but I think two players just isn't enough right so we have to wait and see um on what the full squad announcement looks like um I keep harping on about there's no Kate Gill and there's no Kate Gill. I mean, that that's a big omission for me and um, a big conversation to be had in Australian football as well. Yeah, you know, when I saw that Matilda's uh, squad was out, the the squad that's going over to China, you know, I was just looking down there for, for her name and it's like a it's like a big hole in my heart, Cheryl, I just yeah. can't even tell you. And I think it's for a 30-year-old player at the top of her game, um, she should be playing. She'd be playing in this league. She she could play in any league, I think. Um, and she certainly should be on the national team. But yeah, <laughs> I'll just I'll just keep harping about it because it's just a, it's a head scratcher for me. I just don't get it. But yeah, yeah, Australian football for you. What what can we say? Mm. Fortunately, we have some great players to pick from. And I think when Tom Samani was around, the culture was very much about giving loads of the young players opportunities to develop and that's why we have players of the caliber of Kerr and Ford who are Mm. still really really young but they've got so much experience already Steph Catley being another one I mean these players are sort of in the late teen early 20 category and they've already got so much in the bank they've been off to a couple of world cups in, in the case of Caitlin Ford already so yeah there's a lot that they have but it doesn't mean that as soon as you hit 30, you should be rolled out to the farm. Right. Interesting times for Perth Glory. We'll have to keep an eye on that.
That's true. So, Patty, I've got a question for you. Who are your top four and who are you supporting this season? Well, no, no, no. I was going to – I'm. Oh, that was my question I was going to ask you. Answer that. <laughs> now, because I know it's early, but it's fun. Um, who are your top four at the end of the season? Who do we see? And, by the way, when is the end of the season? It's like next month, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, the end of the season, I think, is the semifinals uh, late January. So I can't oh, okay, remember good. if we fin up, finish up at the end of January or early February. Okay. Um, so now I look stupid. That's great. <laughs> no, that's good. I'll check it out um, before I put it up. Yeah, it's not too far away. It's a pretty quick quick season, um, but we do have a couple more rounds this season, not because we've got a full home and away, which is what we wanted, but because we've got an extra team has joined the comp, so there's nine teams now, and um, there'll be a bye, which we're not used to over the last couple of seasons, mm. something interesting for us. Top four, Canberra United, um, I've talked them up a little bit there, they look really, really impressive. I wanted to give a plug probably to the women's game as well. They've produced a season guide for season eight. Super interesting to read. So if you're out there, you should download a copy. It's free. Just go to the web website and download that and have a read. Canberra United look really, really good. Um, Sarah Groove has put um, their preview together. Sydney FC, I don't think they know how to not be in the finals. So I can, <laughs> I can definitely see them in there. I think they've got a a great squad that they'll be able to make it through. Melbourne City, the mm. most exciting team that I'm looking forward to see this season. They'll be in the top four. And I think it's pretty consistent, those three. The people I've been speaking to, all of, all of them believe that Canberra, Sydney and Melbourne City will be there. And the one spot that's up for grabs, I've sort of thrown my vote behind Brisbane. I think mm. last season Brisbane didn't make the finals. And I, I just think that they're going to turn that around. I, I think it was a huge surprise to them that they weren't able to come back and they weren't able to get there. I know they've got some stiff competition in Perth and I don't Newcastle. Melbourne victory might be a little bit step away or two. But, yeah, my money's going to be on Brisbane for that last spot. And you, Paddy? Uh, well, we're not too far off. I, I definitely like Canberra. I like Sydney FC. I kind of like Western Sydney Wanderers, only because I like that, that mix of the international. You know, the thing with City is I, I would like to, to root for them, but you never know. You know, t a team like this that's so stacked with star players, you just mm -hmm. never know how the chemistry is going to, to work on the pitch. We saw that with the FAWSL, um, with, um, with the City team there. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to go with Perth. Perth is in the top four. I can't. I cannot say no Perth. I, I think that's good. Just a comment on the Melbourne City stuff as well. I absolutely agree, and it's been something I've been trying to get my head around. But one of the interesting things that Lisa Devanna said when she was helping to pick the team, so to speak, she was talking to the coach, Joe Montemuro, and just saying, it's not just skills we need to focus on. We need to focus on character, the right kind of people to be here. And I think... Their selection process has been quite specific. It hasn't been we need a, you know, left-footed blah, blah. Mm. They really need to focus on building that rapport. I think there's rapport because there's a couple of players there who have already played together in the Matildas. There's players that have already played together at Melbourne Victory that have come across. Mm. And Seattle Rain as well. Uh, sorry, Seattle Rain, Melbourne Victory and, yeah, the Matildas. So there's... They've already built some of that, so I think they'll come out of the blocks a little bit quicker. But 
And so the season eight guide, um, we'll put that we'll put that link on our website as well on our show notes, so everybody can go and download it. And also encourage everybody to go to thewomensgame.com, where you guys have like a, such a great. I always say so so many great resources on the W League <laughs> and on the Matildas um, podcasts, interviews. You doing you do radio? You guys do a bunch of stuff. Uh, video yep, yep. there's a great big bunch of dedicated volunteers everyone's a volunteer and yeah. we just love the game and it's all about um loving the game and pure football we like to call it wait you mean i don't have to pay you all right <laughs> great that's good to know No, you don't have to pay me <laughs> i know because i pay uh aj we pay aj in gum so oh, really? um, I would, yeah, I'd hate to, you know, it'd be really expensive for me to have to mail you a package. So I could negotiate something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. so Some Tic Tacs or something. I'm going to chat to AJ. No, you're not allowed to talk to each other. That's, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Make sure my deal is the same yeah. as her deal. <laughs> All right, Cheryl. Well, thanks again. We appreciate you so much. We hope that you come back in mid season and give Absolutely. us, give us an update on the, on the league. Who knows? You know, we might be surprised. You could be talking six weeks from now and be totally surprised. No worries. Thanks very much, Patty. And, yep, it will be. um, Don't know how I'll sleep tonight waiting for the season to kick off, but it's exciting. All right. Well, thanks again, Cheryl. Talk to you soon. See you. Big thanks to Cheryl. Love talking to her. She gets me really excited about the W League. Yeah, and I was... um... I was reading the excellent women's game preview that they put together. We tweet, tweeted out a link to it. And it's some really good stuff in that. In that, so yeah, it's um, the women's game's a place to be if you want in-depth coverage of the W League as as well. Yeah, we'll put the I'll put a link to the season eight guide because it's actually a downloadable PDF and it's a great guide you can print out for reference and things like that. And just uh, great to hear from Cheryl. Okay, so you heard our top four. Who who do you think? Who are you gonna are you gonna you gonna stick your neck out? Because last year you stuck your neck out and it got chopped in half. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> it, it's no mistake. It's no. Um, I'm gonna try and cover my ass here. <laughs> it's no um, secret that last year I made the second ever worst prediction on this show when I tipped Brisbane to win the whole thing, didn't I? Yes. But nevertheless, because I know you really want me to make my predictions, I, got, I, I know, have I'm a feeling not, I already like know. You. I know, I'm not like you. I'm not going to sit on the fence till the 89th minute when one team's 4-0 up and then make a prediction. So, are you ready? I'm ready. My my predictions, okay, for the top four. <clears throat> okay. I actually think, you know, Newcastle did pretty well last year, didn't they? They went from having one point the year before to just missing out the playoffs. I know they've not got the big names, but something good's building there. So, I'm, I'm going to give them one of my playoff places, okay? Oh, so, wow. that's Newcastle. Okay. okay. This, see, this, is the ones, this second one's... I'll go in reverse order. Okay. This one's kind of like a tough one for me because I would never normally pick a new team coming in. I know that Melbourne City's got all, a lot of big names. And I know that obviously they've, they've signed some really good players. But you've still got to make this gel. And I don't think they'll win it, but I probably will give them a playoff play. So write that one down. And that's 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 two of them. Okay. And that has nothing to do with uh, Laura Alloway? Or does that have everything no, no, to do? I, no, I mean, I am a, a Laura Alloway fan. You know, she's the one that offered to take me surfing and everything. So, um, yeah, I think Laura will do a great job there. I think uh, her experience will be vital for them. Um, moving on, okay, I'm going to stick with them. I picked them last year to win it. Uh, but I'm going to stick Brisbane in there because I think a club that's that good, I don't see them being out of the playoffs two years on the trot. They're consistently up there. They're consistently good. So, tick them down. So, so uh, I've got one pick left, haven't I? You do. So I will go with Canberra 
So that Canberra can have that oh. that's, that pick there. Back to back. Sounds so pretty. I've got sounds, it sounds like you okay. and um, besides the Newcastle, it sounds like you and Cheryl have been swapping notes. Well, well, it just means that Cheryl and I are incredibly educated in the game. <laughs> so, um, of those four teams, I've now got to pick a winner, haven't I? You can if you want to. We didn't. We just picked our top four. Oh, right. Oh, all right. Okay. okay. But you don't go if you want to. We just didn't have the guts to do it. Okay. I'll, I'll um, put, okay, because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> I'll say Canberra's going to repeat. Okay. Yeah, that, that's my prediction. All right. But obviously, it's um, one from a slightly distant standpoint because. Um, of, you know, it's you should be the experts on this, really. I mean, all the notes you made on the W League, and you know half the players in the W League already. So, really, you, Patty should be the one to follow, not me. But uh, that's me trying to worm us, worm my way out of this situation. I'm a little worried because I, you know, that my list is so different than you and Cheryl because I have Perth and I have uh, Western Sydney Wanderers up there in the top four too. But uh, uh, I, I kind of like actually kind of like Canberra too so I don't I hate to agree with you Adam but that's a new low isn't it when we yeah agree. I don't know I might change it uh let me change let me wait till after this after the, <laughs> after like the six final, weeks yeah. in and six weeks in I'll tell you but uh, six <laughs> six weeks the league only runs about 10 weeks doesn't it but you, that's fine that's exactly. fine I don't know what you're like exactly. I don't know what you're like uh speaking of NWSL mm. and uh, like I said a lot of team a lot of these players are on loan to other leagues, not only Australia but Japan, Germany, uh, the Danish yep. league, and so forth. So um, but Cyprus, S- Cyprus, right? Yeah, uh, Ashley, Ashley, Ashley Nix in Cyprus. Oh, she is. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. good thing you're yeah. around. Let me know. Obviously, yes, it is. Yeah, the comings and goings of Ashley Nix. Oh. There's been a few coaching changes in the league. Now that we're into the off season, we're going to see like a lot of this kind of stuff happen. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on the last show, but it's now official that Portland Thorns FC named Mark Parsons as the new head coach. And taking his place over in Washington, Washington Spirit named Jim Gabara as their club's new general manager and head coach. Of course, Gabara, formerly the head coach for Sky Blue FC. What do you think about that? Um, Gabara spent uh, 10 years in the D.C. area coaching Washington. You know, he coached the Freedom led the freedom to back-to-back appearances in in WUSA in 2002-2003. He won it, won the championship uh the WUSA championship in 2003. WUSA folded. He coached the Freedom in the USLW League and they won championship in 2007. <laughs> Gavar also led the Washington Freedom to two consecutive appearances in WPS playoffs in 2009-2010. So, I think he's happy to be in Washington DC. I think Spirit fans are really happy to see him back as well. It's some spirit fans I've um, chatted to have been less than enthralled by this, but I think I think a lot of it's come from the fact they've um, there's a lot of new fans in this NWSL. Would that be fair to say? And they're probably not used to like um, Mark Parsons leaving and going to Portland. So I think that pissed a lot of people off. I think we can see the reasons. I mean, if if you're offered a job at Portland, it's in any competition. In any sport, there's always one like big glamour club, isn't it? It's like what well, the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL, the Yankees. There's always one that's got more money, more prestige, and and when that club comes knocking, it's very hard for anybody to turn it down. So I think I can thoroughly understand why Mark Parsons has taken that job. I still think it's a very very tough job because, mm-hmm. as I always say, things have been going wrong there since um, Cindy Parlin-Cohen walked out, and it's uh, going to take a lot to sort turn that club around. I think, but um, I think. 
I think um, some Washington fans maybe look at Gobert and he, he's not a quote machine. He's not like an animated bloke on the touchdown, banging the chest and all that. But I, I think it's a steady appointment for Washington. I mean, you just reeled off his successes and everything. And he's not done too bad a job in Sky Blue, I don't think, when you consider what he's had to work with. OK, they're not... They're not one of the big budget teams. They, they get probably the smallest crowds. Mm. So he's he's had a kind of a tough a tough time with that. But I, I think given the chance, I think he'll do do okay. You may have to win some fans over because I, I I think they were expecting a big glamour kind of name. And you know, realistically, someone like Washington isn't going to get that kind of play that kind of coach. But um, one thing's well, there's two things I've been impressed with him. What you've got to remember is I think I often say that the one area of well one of the areas where american coaches struggle is um getting players from overseas they don't tend to study the overseas game but i think jim kabara is the exception to the rule because this is the guy that brought in nadia nadine from like nowhere okay we saw her in the algarve cup but nobody really knew knew who she was it's like who is this and then she came and absolutely tore the league apart the first year struggled a little bit in the in the second season but still did a relatively good job so he's got that going for him. So that's something good. That's another good point. But also he's good at drafting. I mean, Sky Blues had to use the draft because they've not had the investment to attract the big name overseas players. Mm-hmm. So they've done quite well. I mean, you know, they, they grabbed Kristen Grupka in the second round and she was like a big part of that team for a lot of it. So, so he's he's good at drafting. He knows the international scene. He knows um, Washington and he's got a steady record. So I can see why... Some people are thinking, Ugh. but it's, I think it's a safe pair of hands, and I think um, I can see why Washington went with him. But just can I tell you my favourite couple of Jim Kabara facts? Oh, sure. Okay. In 1996, he played for a team, this got a fantastic name, he played <laughs> indoor soccer for the Washington Warthogs. I mean, what a team! I, I, I want to play for the Washington Warthogs, I really do. He also gained 14 appearances for the CONCACAF Giants that are the United States men's national team. Now, judging how bad the United States men's national team have been over the past <laughs> few weeks, he could eat, we could well get a call-up again. Hey. Because you, you guys you need can... all the help you can get, don't yeah, you? <laughs> hey, um, over at Sky Blue, by the way, you know, they're left kind of... We talked about this when that Japanese assistant coach came over, uh, Ishihara. I'm wondering if they just bump him up into head coach position. They, they could do- they, they may well do that. Um, is it Holly, the other assistant coach? Yeah, Christy, he's a, yeah, Christy Holly uh, is up there too. And Boy, it would be great to see another woman uh, head coach in this league other than <clears throat> Laura Harvey. <clears throat> Excuse yeah, me. Well, the, the, the thing that everyone's naturally thinking is that when's Christy, it's like the job, is the job made for Christine Rampone? Whether she'd want the hassle of it, I don't know. Has she even, she's not even retiring. What are you talking about? No, she's going to no, play another people, 40 years. Well, but, but people instinctively think that uh, she's the next in line. I mean, I think it's one of those, if she said she wanted it, she would get the job, no doubt, but it's whether she wants to be yeah. a coach and, um, I don't know. Sometimes maybe. the best players don't always make the best coaches. So No, not at all. Maybe, maybe Jurgen Klinsmann could take the job. Maybe. Maybe he'll have a, <laughs> he'll be looking in the wan ads. Well, he might, I mean, we'll have to chat. What do you think, just briefly, about the United States men's national team? It does seem to be falling apart at the moment you know to be quite honest with you i don't really follow them that closely and when they're on i'll watch them but i don't really pay attention to how they suck yeah i'm not you know i did i saw them in person a few years ago um they were playing a friendly at for the galaxy play and i was watching their practice the day before i went to their practice 
And I was, I was a little stunned at how lackadaisical their practices were. I mean, I'm used to seeing the U.S. women practice, and they practice hard. Anybody who's ever gone to the, see the U.S. women's national team practice, I know a lot of times there's a lot of showboating going on because they know the media is yeah. there and stuff. But the media was there, and the men's team, they didn't seem to care at all. They were walking around, talking. There wasn't a whole lot of practicing going on. It didn't seem like there was a, a plan to their practice. It was very discombobulated. I was so unimpressed by that. I was like, wow. I, and again, I don't know if that's how their practices are all the time, but I was thoroughly, thoroughly uh, kind of unimpressed with the way that their, their practices are held, the way that some of the players, and I won't call out at certain players, Brickshay, um, but they're just walking around with their hands in their pocket like they could, they wish they were somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And, and to me, that's, you know, I don't know. It's uh, what you do in practice and off the, you know, away from the game is a direct relative to what goes on during the game. And so uh, that to uh, me gave me, it, that's always been kind of stuck in my head. And that wasn't that long ago. It was probably about a year, a year, year and a half ago. Uh, speaking of the U.S. Women's National Team. The champion, the world champions have announced that they've got four matches in December to wrap up their Women's World Cup victory tour. They'll play Trinidad and Tobago twice, first on December 6th at Aloha Stadium in Hawaii, and then on December 10th at the Alamodome in San Antonio, Texas. Then on December 16th, U.S. Women's National Team face China at the Superdome in New Orleans, and the fourth match, as of this recording, is to be determined. Also, I know you have some things to say about those matches, but uh, just a, a real quick, uh, they have Brazil. We're not forgetting about Brazil, the two matches. Uh, the first one, October 21st, in Seattle, Washington, which will be Shannon Box's last match, by the way. And then they meet Brazil again October 25th at the Citrus Bowl in Florida, and that game will be um, Lauren Holiday and Lori Klepney's last match. So we got two good games coming up in the next few weeks against Brazil, um, Trinidad and Tobago, and China in December. Go on, Adam. The uh, floor is well, yours. I mean, it's, it's just more uh, quality games against world-class opponents, isn't it, with Trinidad and Tobago? I mean, good God. Um, I suppose... Um, hey, it's a, they're a young but, team. You know, they're a young team, and they're going through a little growth spurt. So why not? Well, why not? I mean... I suppose after the uh, rigorous tests of Costa Rica twice and Haiti twice, <laughs> that this kind of is fitting into the pattern. And obviously, China v. the US, I mean, you know, you, those two teams hardly play each other, do they? I mean, they must only, only face off, it seems like, 10 times a year. So that's going to be a, a game that I'm really excited about because I've not seen that contest for at least five months. It's always but different, I mean, it, though. You never know what well, you're going to get. You never know what China is going to show up. Which China team? No, I show? mean, there was the one in Brazil, the game in Brazil, where it was quite good. I think it was two-two or one-one. That that was reasonably entertaining. But uh, it, it's like I say, if people want to pay money to watch um, them take on Trinidad Tobago, then the, more to them. I mean, the Hawaii one's nice because it's a nice little holiday for them, really, isn't it? In the sun. I mean, I personally want them to play in Alaska or um, <laughs> Minnesota or somewhere like that. You know, what about you know those? It seems to be a lot of like sunshiny states getting all this kind of thing. It's it's a nice little holiday for them, isn't it? After the work they put in this year, instead of actually proper football games. But that's that's just my opinion. We have been getting a few um, volunteers for people who want to go and cover that game in uh, in I'm Hawaii. I'm not one of them, so yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if we had a travel budget, maybe. I uh, actually, if we had a travel budget, I'd be going. Yeah, I mean, if they, well, you know, you AJ or cowgirl want to go, I'll. Um, I'll buy you a bag of crisps. There you go. 
You know, like I said before, the fans are paying when they're paying their 20 bucks or whatever to go to see this match. They're, they're paying to see the U.S. Women's National Team Women's World Cup champions. They're not going to see blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You know, they're going to see the U.S. team, so... I mean, I will give them... I do like them playing a game... It, I mean, joking aside, the fact that I, I think it's just like a holiday. It is great that they are actually going to Hawaii. I think it's, it's the important. first time. It's the first time they've yeah. ever been to Hawaii. I mean, other than... I mean, to play. To get married or God yeah. knows what. <laughs> or do bikini yeah, selfies. Think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of in, interesting Instagram pictures sure. from that. But uh, and joking aside, I do think it is good. I mean, obviously, uh, I'd expect nothing more than this level of opponent for these kind of games because, as you say, it's just about watching Alex Morgan, Hope Solo, getting some money in for US soccer so they can then pay off Jurgen Klinsmann. And, but, lots, um, and lots and lots of goals. That's what Lots and lots see. of goals, lots yeah, and so lots it gets of meaningful. Goals. Yeah, but the thing is, it's good for the fans, but it, it's like when Germany smashed Hungary 14-0. It didn't really mean a huge... I mean, surprised Hungary haven't got an invitation for this game. Maybe they could be the 10th game, I don't know, because we're still... Perhaps. I mean, it is, I suppose, the only slightly interesting thing for me, someone who isn't a, a fangirl, is that they're playing like four games in 11 days. So I am just hope that we do see some more fresh faces come in. I, I think this is an ideal time to do it. Let, let's, let's see some new, uh, maybe some people, as you would say in America, totally left of field that you wouldn't normally expect. Let's not just see the same old boring lineup and the six or seven goals because nothing's really going to learn or develop. So I, I just hope that with these games that they do maybe mix it up a little bit and we do see some, some more faces. Otherwise, we'll learn absolutely nothing like we did from the two fasters against Haiti and, and the other two fasters against Costa Rica. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, maybe bring up some of these young players, some of these young college players. Uh, that'd be great. Also, you know, Jill Ellis is, is taking a look at the Olympic qualifiers. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's taking a look at the sun and the beach and everything. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be. I'm sure she'll be wrapped up tight in her um, in her U.S. Uh, trainer Soccer jacket. Coat. <laughs> and then the second match will be at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, which is like my least favorite place for them to play because somebody always ends up getting hurt on that turf. Remember Kaya Simon? That was her. That was she yeah. tore her ACL just by stepping on the field. She went down. Nobody even touched her. You know, so that it's a really hard turf um, to play on. So hopefully nobody gets hurt there. That's Randy Waldrum's home, stomping guard, stomping grounds, over there in Texas, where the Rangers play. Yeah. That's it. All, that's all I've got on the women's national team. I think that'll do yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So that leads us into. This is rapidly becoming my most enjoyable part of the show. This is the bit I probably do more research in than anything else. And you, you did a reasonable job in my absence. It wasn't. Oh, uh, it was really hard. I thought it was be oh easy. I just run down the. But it was really it was difficult. I have to say. I mean, the English guy does it better. What can I say? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's the, due to the management structure of the show. I get more time to research all this stuff, so that's that's how that works. So, so yes. Anyway, shall I? Uh, we've got a new number one, so that's exciting, isn't it? It is. It seems like there's a new number one every five minutes. Mm, it's quite good, isn't it? Yes. It really gives me some crap to talk about. <laughs> so, without further ado, I think we shall run down them, shall we? We shall. Okay, got it. Ah, number ten. It is the Auburn Tigers who go down two spots to number ten. Moving up, and we stick with the animal theme, the cat theme, even at number nine, where the Lady Lions of Penn State occupy the ninth spot. Again, we've got more climbers in it, so it's those dastardly Gamecocks from South Carolina up to number eight. 
geographically it's the, uh, the biggest drop in the league this week as the as the North Carolina Tar Heels drop down six places. They're dropping quicker than the men's national team. At number six, we have the Tigers from Clemson at one place. It's a non-mover for the Seaside. It's BYU at number five. The Stanford Cardinals, they're occupying number four. They're up two spots to number four. Oh, the top three name must getting really exciting because we're climbing up to the summit, but the Mountaineers of West Virginia, they're staying in third spot. And they're up a charge. And number two, the, the Cavaliers from Virginia are set this week's second, which means... That this week's number one is the Florida Seminoles. So for one place, they now take the number one ranking in college rankings this week as of the 13th of October. See, <laughs> so I even found all the nicknames and tried you to put did. them in this week. <laughs> wow, my head is spinning. I like uh, the Gamecocks. The Gamecocks. Game <laughs> uh, yeah, big drop for North Carolina. I think, they had back to, I, yeah. Yeah, I think they had back-to-back losses like the first time in I don't know how many years. So that all sounds good. No AJ interview. Boy, I feel like there's a big gap. And it, yeah, we need it. I miss AJ. I need I to do. I need to chat because obviously I'm increasing my um, knowledge of college soccer by the week. So I need to chat with our experts on that, see if she can shed any light on the Gamecocks. Yeah, maybe we'll have her come on the show and, and talk to us live. Yeah, I think she'd like that. I think so. Just keep Barry so. away from her. She gets really mad when she sees Barry. Yeah, she has like anger. The... It's like they've had a lover's tiff, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, there's some deep-seated anger there. She just doesn't want to even be in the same room with him. It's all one way because Barry thinks she's great. Really? Does Barry uh, think yeah. anybody's great who's not Canadian? Um, he does some people. Obviously, okay. Canadians are, are far better. But, uh, but yeah, he's... um. He, he likes AJ. He, it's a love-hate relationship between those two, I think. I think so. Hey, speaking of Canadians, your favourite Canadian in the news? Yes. Um, we'll chat. Obviously, I was with Jana in Germany a couple of weeks ago, and the, uh, one of the reasons why we, I went over there that weekend was because we wanted to see FSC Frankfurt, who um, Sophie Schmidt plays for. They travelled to Cologne FC, who were bottom of the league. Well, they still are bottom of the league as this is being recorded. And it was good to see Sophia, but I'm still slightly concerned for her. I think um, I think she's still struggling to adapt to the league because she the game we saw, she was on the bench and she came on in like the 70th minute. But uh, the week before that, she started in the cup game um, against the second or third division side and they, they won 14-0 or some stupid scoreline like that. But the week um, before that, I watched her on, online and she only came on like the last minute. So... But she did score for them in the first leg of the Champions League game away in Standard Liège. So she is in and out of the side. Um, I think it's. I think Frankfurt is still trying to work out how to fit her into the system. And she's trying to work out the system because they want to play her more as a defensive midfielder, which isn't really her game. And when she did come on, she did look a little bit lost, we, we, we thought. So, um, But the bad news really is that she cracked a rib. In the first game in the Champions League, of which she did score, by the way, she, she she became the first Canadian to score in the Champions League. She scored a goal and um, cracked a rib, but the, they didn't work out. They didn't. This cracked rib allegedly wasn't spotted till she, after she played at the weekend and some training sessions. So, a little bit hmm. strange that situation, and she's going to be out for three weeks, unfortunately. Wow. So may, maybe that'll give her a little bit of time just to mentally adjust and give Frankfurt time to adjust and and, and all that. But. Uh, 
I am slightly concerned about her, but um, I'm hoping that she figures it all out, and um, I hope that, that Frankfurt can kind of figure it out as well. What do, you, what do you think is the problem? Do you think it's just the style of play, or do you think it's just the fact think, that she hasn't played a real... I mean, she's been in the United States playing in the league here, but it's a lot different playing in Germany. Yeah, I think um, the fact that she hasn't been in a club environment for well over a year, because remember, she's been in residency camp all year, I think that does take... Um, that takes a sharpness off, off, off being a player. I think when you're in club training, it's a lot fiercer, a lot more competitive, so... I think there's that's a factor. I think um, it is a different style in Germany. I mean, it's not it. It is quick, but it's they don't tend to knock it long in the air. It tends to be all along the ground and stuff. So I do think she's struggling with that a little bit to pick up the system. And remember, it is. I know she speaks German, but it's like a totally different to be um, submersed in in a culture you're not used to. So I suppose there's a lot to take in. I mean, um, Van Egmond, the, the Australian, she's struggling as well. So it's not just just the Sophia problem, but it sometimes players do take a, a little while to adjust to, to to leagues and stuff. So I think, but also I also think Frankfurt haven't worked out how to fit her into the system as well. So that's what I was th- there's ask a little, you. yeah, th- there's a little bit I think work to be done on both sides, both from Sophie I think and from the Frankfurt coaching staff. While we're on about Germany, Kristen Muir's she scored her first goal for Bayern, so mm-hmm. she's uh, been in the starting lineup for the last couple of games. So she's um, she's settling in, it would appear. And um, Bayern Munich are top of the league and the only team in the Bundesliga with a 100% record because Frankfurt lost to Wolfsburg and Wolfsburg's dropped, um, dropped some points this year. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get Jana on in the middle of November. She's going to come on again and just give us an update of what's going on and everything. But what I have been impressed, well, there's lots I've impressed with in Germany, but every week there's a game streamed online on the, on the internet. I, I like enjoy watching those and... Um, I just had a good time in Germany just drinking beer and eating sausage and, and learning and stuff. And again, thanks to Jana for putting up with me. And Barry, because Barry made the trip over as well. Yeah, I saw the pictures. But Barry, that's a well-traveled beaver you got there. He, he, yes, he has. And he's, um, he's, got all of, he's, he's met yourself. He's had selfies with Sarah, with Jana. With, his AJ selfie was his favorite. Poor AJ. Just Cheryl and Pamela to meet now, and then he's got a complete set. That's it. Run and hide. Oh, no, they won't. They, so, you know, uh, j- just on about Barry, uh, he's on about 128 followers at the moment. Oh. As soon as he gets to 200, we will do a, a Beaver Q&A on, the, on Barry's Twitter feed. So oh, if you want that to happen sooner rather than later, get all your friends to follow unfollow. Barry. As soon as he gets to 200. I think I unfollowed so, him. <laughs> well, you're very rude, aren't you? I am. <laughs> yeah, he always tweets at you anyway. He always tweets you. Yeah, he's he very rude to me. 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 I don't like that. He's a mean little Did Beaver. You? He's just excited because the Blue Jays are no. in the championship game and Toronto FC made the playoffs for the first time in their history. So it's a great time to be Canadian. Josie Ballanger scored a hat-trick uh, for Rosengard in the Champions League this week, so that's more good Canadian news. Right. Um, in the Champions League, the big shot was Bayern Munich going out to FC20 of Holland. So, yeah, exciting stuff there. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam, is that it? I think so, yeah. I think we're all done for this episode of the no. show. Uh, jam-packed so you know it's weird they have a couple of weeks off and i feel like my game dropped i needed to really you know i was psyching myself up for this because you know yeah i didn't want to get rusty or anything yeah. all right guys well thank you thanks to uh cheryl for coming on eligo doncaster bells and also hannah roberts it was a pleasure chatting to everybody on the show this week even patty yeah even barry not really ah. you guys ah. hey don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram tumblr and <laughs> 
Well, the baby was six now. See you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.